God does not want our trials to destroy us. Do you believe that? God wants our uh, trials not to break us, but to make us. Not to be stumbling stones, but stepping stones. Yet so often, if we don't understand uh, what God is doing in the midst of the trial, after the trial, what his purpose for the trial is, then they can sink us. But I'm going to show you today that God has given us a way to navigate trials that will bring us to the other side successfully, having grown, be stronger, wiser, hopefully, amen, and able to help others who are going through suffering like we just passed through. Now, we're talking about the why advantage. And I'm going to explain that, define that in just a moment once again. We began this series last week. But I want to start reading in Genesis 37, verse 1. And I want to talk to you about a guy named Joseph. How many of you know about Joseph? How many of you identify with Joseph? All right? And his victory over bitter betrayal. Now, let me read it. Genesis 37, 1. Here's just a brief summation of what happened with Joseph. Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan. That's Joseph's dad. Where his father had lived. That's talking about Isaac. Jacob's son, Joseph, was now 17 years old. His job, along with his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. Don't name your daughters Bilhah or Zilpah. Was the shepherd his father's flocks. But Joseph reported, paraphrase, snitched on, ratted out to his father some of the bad things they were doing. Now, as it happened, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Everybody say, first mistake. Because Joseph was born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob gave him a special gift. Everybody say, second mistake. Because the whole while, he's making his brothers hate him. So what was it? A brightly colored coat. Coat of many colors. And his brothers, of course, noticed, they always will, their father's partiality. And consequently, what did they do? hated Joseph. Strong words. Um, and they couldn't even say a kind word to him. They didn't even have a kind word. They could not say one nice thing. How are you doing today? Nothing like that. One night, Joseph had a dream and promptly reported the de details to his brothers, causing even, even deeper hatred. Well, why? Well, listen to the dream. Joseph had no wisdom. He's 17. In this time of his life, he's pretty well stuck on stupid because this is not wise he says hey bro listen to this uh you and i we were out in the field binding sheaves and my sheaves stood up and your sheaves all gathered around it and bowed low before it <laughs> they said so you want to be our king do you and his brothers derided and they hated him, both for the dream and for his prideful attitude. But he didn't stop there. Oh, no. He had another dream and told it to his brothers. <laughs> That's why I say stuck on stupid. Now, listen to my latest dream. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. And this time, his father, as well as his brothers, rebuked him. What is this? Jacob asked him. Shall I indeed and your mother and brothers come and bow before you his brothers were fit to be tied concerning this affair but his father gave it quite a bit of thought and wondered what it all meant 
Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. Give us wisdom to see the hand of God in all we go through. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, we began last time with a series that I'm calling The Why Advantage. Now, let me tell you what the Why Advantage means once again. The Why Advantage, W-H-Y, Why, the Why Advantage, is about the advantage we have in life when we understand God's purpose for us, okay? And that he is sovereign over our lives. God's in charge. If you're his child, he's in charge of your life. Not the devil, not men, not flesh. God. God is sovereign over your life. And he has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you and for me. A plan that he thought about before the world was created. So you've been on God's mind a long time. Now watch this. The why advantage is about the advantage we have in life when we understand God's purpose for us, his sovereignty over us, his plan for us. When you get that, then you see the bigger picture. Most people live their lives out never seeing the bigger picture for their life. They don't know why they're here, who they are, why they exist on earth. They just take it day by day, pay the bills, raise the kids, hopefully rack up a 401k, retire one day, and then one day die. They never, never, their whole view is this way, horizontal. They never have the vertical bigger picture. They never have the vertical bigger picture, which is God has a plan. And when you understand that God has a plan and what that plan might entail, that's the why, that gives you an advantage. Paul the Apostle wrote, I quoted this last week. I'll probably quote it every time. This is so powerful. Paul says in Ephesians 1.11, it's in Christ that we find out who we are. You want to know who you are? Let me tell you who you are. You'll find out who you are when you go to Christ. You'll find out who you are. You'll find your identity. You won't be confused about who he made you to be. You won't be confused about your gender. You won't be confused about what you're to do you will understand that you are custom designed for a purpose on earth, for a plan. God has a plan for you. No matter your mistakes, no matter your shortcomings, no matter your faults, no matter the setbacks, God still has a plan and he has decreed over your life and mine that he will perfect that which concerneth me. Amen? Let me keep on reading. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard about Jesus and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Now listen to these next words. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. Can you say with me, God's in charge. Not men, not politicians. Not governments, not the devil, not man's will. No, God's purpose is being worked out in everything and in everyone. So it is in Jesus we find out who we really are. These are the great big questions philosophers are always wanting to ask. Who am I and why am I here? Well, the Bible answers it. 
You are in Christ. You will find your identity in Him and what you're on the planet to do. You've got a reason to be here. There's, there's a purpose for you. You're not an evolutionary mistake. You're not here because evolution puts you here. No, you're here because God custom designed you. He made you and he had a plan for you before he first said, let there be light. So in the next few weeks, we're going to look at the why advantage in three things, in trials, in warfare, and in weariness. How many of you are a little bit weary? All right, we're going to learn the, the why advantage, how, the, how understanding your why, God's purpose and plan for you, will give you an advantage in trials, an advantage in warfare, and a great advantage when you're weary. So I want to consider today the Old Testament story of Joseph as a prime example of the why advantage in trials. Now, we, we saw in our text here that he's a teenager. He's 17. And Joseph, when he was 17 years old, had two dreams. God gives dreams to teenagers. That's free. Doesn't matter if you're 17. God, I had some of my strongest spiritual dreams when I was still a teenager. God talks to teenagers. Amen? Amen. And, and so <clears throat> he's a teenager. He has two dreams. As we read, in both the dreams, his family is subservient to him. His 11 brothers and his, even his parents are subservient to him, bowing down before him. Heavy dream. His brothers were not thrilled to hear about that dream. Are you indeed going to reign over us? Or are you indeed going to rule over us? And I can hear them saying, don't think so. And as we saw, Jacob wasn't thrilled either. Me and your mother, we're going to bow down to you. Me and all your brothers, we're going to bow down to you. What have you been eating before you go to sleep? Now jumping ahead to chapter 42, verse 6. 13 years have gone by, and we find Joseph's dreams, both of his dreams, coming to pass just like he'd been shown, exactly 17 years later, or rather 13 years later. 13 years later, they're coming to pass, right in front of his eyes. The Bible says a great famine had gripped the world, and his brothers had come to Egypt seeking food, never dreaming that their long-gone brother, who I'll talk about in a moment, what they did to him, was now governor over all the land. They didn't know. And it says in the Bible in verse 6, since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of the sale of the grain, it was to him that his brothers came. And look what it says. And they bowed low before him with their faces to the earth. Everybody say, whatever God says, it's going to happen. No matter if men balk at it, it's going to happen. And it says, Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. Now, Joseph's dreams show us something about God. They show us that God knows our future. Catch this, please. God knows our future. He's never surprised. He's never shocked. He's never taken aback. He knows exactly what's coming before it ever arrives. He knows the trials that are going to rock your world before they ever strike. David writes in Psalms 139, not only does he know our future, but he's got it all planned out. Listen to this. You saw me before I was born. And you scheduled each day of my life before I began to even breathe. 
Every day of my life was recorded in your book before my life began. So God not only sees your future, but he's got it planned and plotted out. He knows exactly what every day will bring. The God of the Bible has a plan for the world, and he's got a plan for every one of his children. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Now between, between Joseph's two dreams and their fulfillment, a whole lot of trouble goes down. Let me just summarize it. One day his father Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers, who he's been ratting out on. They already don't like him. He's already got the coat of many colors, and he's already had the two dreams. He's already ratted out his brothers. So Jacob, who's also a little bit stuck on stupid here, sends Joseph right into the mouth of the lion. He says, go check on your brothers. And when the 11 brothers see him coming, they do not have a warm fuzzy. They conspire to kill him. They hate him. And when he catches up to them, here's what they do. They grab him. They rip off the coat of many colors that they so resented because it represented Jacob's partiality towards Joseph. And they throw him into a deep pit that he cannot climb out of. He's down in a deep pit. His brothers, all of them, looking down in the pit at him. Is this a joke he's thinking? Are they about to pull me out? Guys, this isn't funny. But they have no intention of getting him out. The Bible says they're so hard-hearted, they go off and open up their sack lunches. And they start eating lunch while he's down in the pit. No doubt claustrophobic. He can't get out. His mind is racing. What is going on? They're going to leave him there until he dies, but Reuben persuades them not to kill him. Reuben and Judah are the two that are instrumental in delivering Joseph. Reuben, don't kill him, let's take him out. Judah, let's sell him to Midianite traders. And so here comes a caravan of slave traders. And they sell him to the Midianites. They sell their brother up the river. Please, get, get the reality of this, because this is the blackest day of Joseph's life. The Midianite traders shackle him. We know this by the Psalms. They shackle him. They put him probably in some kind of a cage in the back of the uh, cart. And he's carried off with his 11 brothers staring at him, watching him go. Now he knows this is no joke. They're not playing with me here. This is real. He's taken all the way to Egypt. What a lonely ride that was. What a terrifying ride that was. He's taken to Egypt. And in Egypt, he is put on a slave block. And on the slave block, he's sold. The Bible says that Potiphar, a captain of Pharaoh's army, sees him and purchases him and takes him home as a slave. Now I want you to stop and think about the homesickness and the emotional heartbreak that this young teenager was experiencing. Amen. The dreamer. The one God had spoken to clearly with dreams. Now he is in hell on earth. What in the world is going on? Where's the God of my dreams? Where's the God that gave me those dreams? This doesn't look like my dreams to me. 
They're not bowing to me. I'm bowed to them. The hardened faces of his own flesh and blood brothers watching him carried away in chains was burned onto his mind. Meanwhile, those same wicked brothers get a load of this, fed their father the terrible lie that Joseph had been eaten by wild animals. Can you imagine being told that about your child? And they let him live with that lie for 13 years. Wicked. Cruel. Jacob went to sleep how many times trying to put out of his head what must have been the final moments of his beloved son when it didn't even really happen. But the Bible makes it plain, please hear me, that God was at work through the whole thing. You got me now? Track with me. God was at work through the whole thing. Because Joseph was his, and he'd given Joseph these dreams. Joseph had a call on him, a purpose for him, a plan for his life. And even the wickedness of people did not stop God's plan from coming to pass. The Bible says in Psalms 105, 17 to 19, watch this, then he, God, sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Who sent him to Egypt? I thought it was his brothers. I thought it was their plot, their scheme, their plan. I thought they sold him up the river. No, no. No, here's here's the power of the sovereign God. He takes even what wicked people do and he makes it serve his purpose. And so it says, then God sent somebody to Egypt. Who? Joseph. God sent Joseph to Egypt. The brothers would have said, we did it. Joseph would have said, they did it. But God said, no, 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 no. He's mine. I did it. See, he's ordering your steps today. If you're his child, and most everybody in here is, he's ordering your steps no matter what people do to you. What people do to you or don't do to you and how you're treated by others does not stop the mighty hand of God. He just said, I'm going to make that work together for the good of those that love me and are the called according to my purpose. Nothing can stop God's plan. Can you say that with me? Nothing can stop God's plan. Come on. Now, right when you think things can't get any worse, they get worse. The Bible says Joseph was handsome. He was, he was a looker. He was a good-looking guy. And eventually, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And when he refused her advances, she falsely accused him of sexually assaulting her. And Potiphar threw him into prison. I've often wondered, did Potiphar really believe her? I don't know. Doesn't really matter. I just kind of think he looked at this whole situation and said, something about this doesn't ring true, but I better put him in prison if I want to stay in peace at home. So Joseph is thrown into prison for something he didn't do. Thrown into a dungeon, an Egyptian dungeon, for something he didn't do. So he goes from a slave caravan to a slave in an Egyptian's house, and from there on down into an Egyptian prison. Not very promising. Where's the dreams? What's going on here? More betrayal, more abuse, more unfairness fall upon Joseph. 
But that did not mean God was not with him. And can I apply that to us today? We, we have a tendency of looking at somebody going through trials and we say, well, I wonder what they did that has grieved God. I wonder what they did. What sin is in their life? Like Job's counselors. What'd you do, Job, to get all this on you? But the fact is, sometimes somebody going through all kinds of trouble is a clear indicator that God's hand is on their life and Satan is attacking their life. But I got news for you. God's plan will come to pass. Amen, amen, amen. Not only has he been rejected by his brothers and sold into slavery, but now his sterling reputation has been stained and sullied by a scurrilous lie. He's in prison now, the dreamer. Now, while he's in prison, Pharaoh, king over all of Egypt, threw two people in the prison with him, his chief butler and his chief baker. And they both end up in prison. And Joseph's making his rounds because he's been put over the jail. The, the, the warden has seen God's hand on his life, and God favored him even in jail. God favored him, and he's over all of it. So he's making his rounds, making sure everybody's okay. And he sees the chief butler and baker with troubled faces. He said, what's wrong, guys? They said, well, we had dreams. Joseph said, tell me your dream. Somewhere in what was happening to him, he began to learn his gift and cultivate it. He said, tell me the dream. And they told the dream. And Joseph said, let me interpret it. The chief butler, you're going to be restored to your position under Pharaoh. But the chief baker got bad news. You're going to be hung. The chief butler greatly appreciated a prophet. The chief baker, not so much. But the Bible says it came to pass just like he said, just like he predicted. And Joseph asked the chief butler right before he was restored to his position under Pharaoh, he said, please remember me. Do you hear it here? Please remember me. I've done you a favor. I've ministered to you. Please remember me. Do me a favor when things go well with you. He said, mention me to Pharaoh so he can get me out of here. For I was kidnapped from my homeland. He's telling the truth. I was kidnapped the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, and I did nothing to deserve this. But the chief butler callously forgot about him for two long years until Pharaoh had two dreams, and nobody can interpret them. And the chief butler goes, wow, I forgot, Pharaoh. There was a guy in the jail that predicted exactly, that interpreted my dream, that I'd be restored to my position. And Pharaoh said, get him now. Now here's Joseph in prison, and all of a sudden, he's told Pharaoh wants to see you. Well, that means either I'm about to be killed or something's going on. I don't understand. So he shaved, he combed his hair, he put on his prison best. And he's brought right in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I had two dreams. And I hear that you're an interpreter of dreams. And Joseph had cultivated his spiritual gift. In the midst of all of these trials, he had grown spiritually where his gift was to interpret dreams by God. And he told him the dreams, and Joseph nailed the interpretation. He said, a great famine is coming to the whole world that's going to last for seven years, and there's going to be seven good years to prepare for it. And amazed by his supernatural insight, Pharaoh set him over all the land of Egypt, second only to himself. 
So you ready for this? He went from gutter to glory in one day. He went from pit to pinnacle in one day. Everybody say promotion is in the hands of God. And right when it looks like you are in and there's no way out and, and you're stuck and, and, and there's no exit door and how, how is this ever going to change? Listen, God can open any door. God will make a way where there is no way. And when God gets ready to promote you, not man, not devil is going to stop it. He's going to bring his plan to pass. Amen. Now, the million dollar question. Here's where I want to go with this message. How did Joseph... Everybody, he's a human being like you and me. How did Joseph deal with what happened to him? During those long trying years, let me ask a question. How do you emotionally survive it? And here's another one. How did he emerge with his faith in God? Because it looked like everything he had dreamed, the opposite was happening. Everything God showed him, the opposite took place circumstances did not validate or confirm his dream. How in the world did he emotionally survive his brothers selling him into slavery? Slavery. And never coming looking for him. Never. Here's 13 years have gone by. They've never come looking for him. They never said we shouldn't have done that. Let's find out where they took him and go find him and bring him home. Never. How do he deal with that? And, 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 and God, how have you let all this happen to me? Where are you, God? I thought you were in charge of things. How has all, uh, all these things befallen me? How, how, how has all this happened? Where are you? Where were you? Uh, I had my faith in you. You gave me those dreams. It goes to show you that when God gives you a call, when God gives you a purpose, and all of you have a call and all of you have a purpose, that when there's a purpose and there's a plan, sometimes between, between A and B, there's a long gap where God is dealing with you, teaching you your spiritual gift, humbling you, preparing you for the moment that He's going to say, come up hither. The Bible tells us how he survived. After his father Jacob died, his brother said, uh-oh, dad's gone. So now we are really terrified he's going to take vengeance on what we did. Dad being here restrained him, but dad's gone. And his brothers went to him and said, hey, please don't hurt us. Now listen to what he said. Joseph, listen, he didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the blood. He didn't have the teachings of Paul on forgiveness, teachings of Christ on forgiveness, none of that. And yet, God's hand was on him. Look what he said. Don't be afraid. God turned into good what you meant for evil. For he brought me to this high position. He brought me to this high position I have today so that I could save the lives of many people. Catch this, everybody. He brought me here. And here's why. That the lives of many people could be saved. He understood his why, his purpose, why he was on earth. He understood it. And not only to save many people alive, but to save the lineage that would bring forth Christ from total starvation. They would have all been wiped out and the lineage of Christ would have been stopped in history. So God had to keep them alive. 
during a worldwide severe famine. So he raised up Joseph, used what wicked people designed against him, brought him into Egypt, taught him his spiritual gift, humbled him, put steel in his soul, and then raised him up to be the decision maker that kept the whole world alive, including the lineage of Christ. In everything he went through, he saw God's hand on it. In everything he went through, he saw God's hand on it. And that's, that's what the why is. That's what the, seeing the bigger picture is. No matter what you go through, you see God's hand on your life. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. And I am persuaded that he has begun, that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. And he will perfect that which concerns you and me. He saw God's hand in his life. Through all the trouble, he saw it. And I want you to notice that the why advantage, knowing knowing what he was going through, was somehow in God's plan, protected him from two very destructive things. And I'm going to close. Watch this. The destroyer of bitterness. It protected him from the destroyer of bitterness. Bitterness is a destroyer. If anyone in the Bible had a right to be bitter, had a cause to be bitter, could have easily gotten bitter, it was Joseph. But you know what? Read the Bible. Read the story. There's never one hint of bitterness in his whole life. Not one smidgen, scintilla, hint, thimbleful, none. He never got bitter. How? I would have. Matter of fact, as soon as I was second only to Pharaoh, I'd have given some orders. Go find those boys. <laughs> I've got all the power of Egypt behind me. Let's give them the shock of their life. No, but he didn't. His words to his brothers reveal the why advantage that saw him through their betrayal. Don't be afraid of me, he said. Am I in the place of God? You know what that says? Joseph knew God was in charge the whole time. Those whole 13 years of suffering. And it's not for me, he said, to avenge myself. God's going to set everything straight in the end. I leave vengeance into his hands because he is in charge. He had the why advantage, the faith advantage, the bigger picture advantage. Since God's been in charge this whole time, He's in charge of me now, and He's in charge of you. And if vengeance is going to be meted out, He's going to do it, not me. He knew that God had a purpose for His suffering, and that kept His heart tender. He didn't get hard-hearted, didn't get angry, bitter. It enabled Him to respond to His brothers with mercy. Can I give you a little secret? If you're in church, you're going to get hurt. Well, I thought everybody in the church was a bunch of angels. Hello? Can I give you a big wake-up call? We're all sinners saved by grace, and none of us are perfect yet. And so we're going to rub each other wrong. We're going to get each other offended from time to time. And that doesn't mean you've got a call to pick up your marbles and go home and go to the next church. Because when you get to the next church, you're going to be there, and your herd is going to be there. And you're going to repeat the same thing until you realize some things that I go through, God wants me to learn to trust Him like Joseph did.
One person wrote, forgiving somebody may cost you your pride, but not forgiving them will cost you your freedom. God knew that and he kept Joseph free of bitterness from those 11 brothers and that lion woman, Potiphar's wife. I've often wondered, what did she do when she heard that he was second only to Pharaoh? I think she said, honey, I feel called elsewhere. It doesn't tell us what she did. I think she freaked. Secondly, and finally, the Y advantage kept Joseph from crippling despair. His circumstances could so easily have crushed him. Could they not? Betrayed, forgotten, despised, slandered. Joseph was a prime candidate for putting up the white flag and quitting on life. Like I've seen so many people do. Just quit on life. I'm not going to try anymore. And it's when everything goes south for you and me that Satan creeps in and whispers in our ear his favorite four-letter word. You know what his favorite four-letter word is? Quit. 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 He wants to take circumstances that don't go our way, like what happened with Joseph, where we don't understand what God's doing, where we're hurt with what other people have done, we're wounded, we're offended, we're bleeding on the inside, and, and we can't sense God, and the devil comes in and says, why don't you quit? Quit on your dream. Quit on your goals. Quit on your marriage. Quit on trying again. And even quit on God, on Christianity, on your walk with Him. But Joseph never quit, and he didn't have the New Testament. No. He got up every day in that prison, and he placed his hope in God. And how did he do it? The why advantage. He saw the bigger picture. He knew that God was in charge. He had a plan. And he was chosen to save many people alive. And so he said, I'm going to keep my eye on that. Consider your Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for, watch this now carefully, for the joy set before him, the future, he endured the cross, his trouble. For the joy set before him, his resurrection, being Lord of Lords, King of Kings, being the Redeemer of the world, millions and millions and hundreds of millions being delivered from hell and ushered into the gates of heaven because of His shed blood. For the joy set before Him, He endured His trouble, the cross. How did He endure that cross with people that He had healed and taught and blessed, looking at Him, sneering at Him, cursing Him, mocking Him? How did He endure that, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. How did he do it? His eyes were peeled on the why. On the why. I'm coming back from the dead. I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to, I'm going to do away with the devil's keys to death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to set millions and millions of people free. That was the joy set before him. And that's where his focus was when he went through the cross. Even if you can't see how your story is ultimately going to unfold, his plans for you, listen, the bigger picture, who you are in him and why you're here will carry you through almost anything. Can you stand with me today?
Can we thank Him today that He's in charge? Can we just lift our hands today and say, Thank you, Jesus, that You're in charge of my life. And thank Him He's going to turn your struggles into good. Come on, thank the Lord. Thank Him that His plan is coming to pass. He's at work every day. You're on the potter's wheel every day. You are His workmanship every day. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And you have the why advantage. Oh, you and I have the why advantage. We've got that vertical, bigger picture advantage that will carry us through anything. Can we just thank the Lord right now? Thank you, Lord, for the bigger picture. Thank you, Lord. 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 I preach this out of the Word. I preach it out of my own experience, too. Oh, my. I remember, and this won't take long, but i got to tell you this, because this is so real to me. I knew I was called when I was a teenager. I started preaching when I was 19. And so my my initial thought was, well, I'm going to go take the world Right behind Billy Graham next year. <laughs> and, and so, was I in for a shock when nothing I envisioned happened? Just the opposite. I found myself, after school and everything, I found myself in an office complex, late at night, painting the walls and the ceiling. And in the daytime, selling mace, 100% commission. And I'm up there, I'll never forget, on a ladder. And I got the roller. And I'm going back and forth across the ceiling. And Satan's on my shoulder. Look at you, big guy. You're going to take the world? Where's God? Look what you're doing. Boy, aren't you something? That Bible degree and you're painting the roof of an office complex. Where's God? And before I know it, doubt, unbelief, anger, is rising up in me. And then I remembered the bigger picture. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your path. Amen? Amen. His ways aren't my ways. His timing is never my timing. And so I remember that, and right there in that office, all alone, I went after the devil. I started rebuking the devil with all of my heart, all my voice. You know that my voice can carry. I was rattling the walls. I got down and attacked the devil. And it wasn't long after that, I was invited to start my first church. Amen. So you got to try. How many of you needed this today? Come on, everybody. Can you say with me? Can you say with me, I've got the why advantage. And if you're lacking in some of it, open up your Bible. It'll tell you all about your why. Amen. Amen. I want some prayers to come down right now. Would you please, prayers? Come down, just a few prayers to come down. And we want to pray for you. Um, I thought about opening a counseling center, temporary counseling center for people whose team doesn't win today. You know, I'm telling you, I have pastored a long time in cowboy country. It literally, literally, I used to mark it. When the cowboys lost, that coming Sunday, everybody came in dragging their feet. They had a bad case of 
looking like they were baptized in pickle juice. They would come in down. They'd look at me like, you better preach me up because the Cowboys lost. It's not that bad anymore. But I, I used to think, I better have an altar call. These people are going about to go take their own lives because they lost. So anyway, uh, it's going to be fine. Whatever happens today, it's going to be in the will of God. I'm sorry, but that's true. I believe in the sovereignty of God. All right. And I don't care who wins. Can I say that? I don't care. I'm going to watch it, but I don't care. Because both quarterbacks are Christians, so I don't care. <laughs> All right, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you right now for your people. You've got a plan for every one of them. And I pray that plan will come to pass no matter what men do, no matter what the devil does, no matter the mistakes that have been made, that, Lord, you will work out your plan. And thank you, Lord God, for the why advantage. We see your hand all around us working it out. In Jesus' name, amen.